0: Good evening. We are KZMU, Community Radio, Moab on the dial at 90.1-106.7 FM. And you are listening to Radio Book Club, coming to you every first Monday of the month at 5 p.m. And I'm one of your hosts, Sherry, coming in from Back of Beyond Books. And of course, I'm I'm joined in studio uh, with Jesse. Hi, Jesse, from the library.
1: Good evening, everyone.
0: And Alyssa's with us. And that's going to be a more permanent thing. Uh, Hello, Alyssa, from Back of Beyond Hybrid Grand County Public Library. (laughs) (laughs) So great. (sighs) So, of course, every first Monday of the month... We from the library and the bookstore come together and talk books. We talk book reviews. We talk indie bestsellers. We also sometimes have spontaneous thoughts and laughs and and insights. <laughs> but <clears throat> each time we're excited to be here. We, I think it might be one of our favorite things to talk about books. Wouldn't you say? Absolutely. Most definitely, <laughs> See, That's that's what we like to do mm-hmm. so when we come to the station we do it more we love it and uh, excited to be here tonight so usually what we start with um, is uh, just a little bit of news from both the bookstore and from the library let's have Jesse give us a little rundown on what's going on over at the library
1: well um first of all last week we had a really exciting presentation we did um On Wednesday and Thursday evenings, um, we had a a presentation um, by Jason Ramsdell who summited Mount Everest in May and he came and shared his really, really fascinating story. It was a wildly interesting presentation and I just wanted folks to know if you missed that and you wish you had seen it, you can go to YouTube um, and search for Grand County Public Library and you will see his presentation. There on YouTube. So I just wanted to mention that. Um, it's uh, definitely worth a look and a listen. Um, coming up at, further on in the month on Thursday, August 24th, we invite you to a free screening of a movie called bitter brush it's a documentary about cowgirls and it looks absolutely beautiful in the remote and rugged mountains of the american west two young women contemplate the future as they work alone herding cattle they're out there with their horses and dogs and um it looks like a really really cool and um lovely documentary again that's going to be um thursday august 24th 7 p.m at the moab library branch and uh, you can always find events on moablibrary.org we have um we have some other fun collaborations coming mm-hmm. up in september and october as well
0: i was hoping you'd mention those yeah <laughs> i
1: didn't bring my calendar with me i don't have the exact dates i have some you, dates for I'll you so, yes go ahead
0: okay so we are collaborating with the library on in september on september 23rd at six thirty, or did we say six i think we said six one of
1: them's going to be at six thirty, yes, and one's it's, at six this
0: one's at 6 p.m okay. at the grand county public library we are hosting john fahey and he's just come out with a book from new mexico west no new mexico western university i think press it's called Mimbre Pe- Press, and the book's called A Long Tangent, A Year of Hiking, Musings, and Rants from an Old Man and His Dog. And I will say this, John, you have a lot of good friends here in Moab. Do. <laughs> they got themselves together and said, you all, if you do not host this friend of ours, then you're no friend of ours anymore. <laughs> I think
1: so. And I don't even think they consulted Mr. Fahey. No. Or they made these no. plans. It sounds like he's like, well, uh, sounds like
0: I'm coming to Moab.
1: <laughs> it's, it's
0: wonderful a- to see that yeah. kind of love for yeah. someone who's, you know, he's got, he's had quite a few books come out. This one, as far as I can tell, he spent a whole year hiking more around the New Mexico kind of region um with his dog and this is literally kind of just walking talking ranting thinking and probably many uh, dog adventures as well. Sounds perfect.
2: <laughs> I feel like a lot of people around here could probably relate to that yeah. very well. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Didn't we just, weren't we just talking about you over the weekend yes.
2: going with your dog? Going <laughs> out out onto with the my t- dog somewhere where there's no cell service, <laughs> <laughs> walking, ranting, thinking. Ex- exactly.
0: <laughs> and <clears throat> again, that's a long tangent, his new book. And that'll be September 23rd at the library, which is at also my six birthday. Clock
2: oh yes just so everyone knows in moab
0: (laughs) (laughs) happy birthday (laughs) there might be some after hours after that (laughs) Who (laughs) who knows um the other collaboration we're doing with the library is um we are hosting dave showalter and he's written a it's more like a coffee table size book with beautiful illustrations it's called living river The Promise of the Mighty Colorado. That's actually October 24th, which is my brother's birthday. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, that's at 6.30 p.m. at the Grand County Public Library. I just want to say a little bit about that. this one. With powerful visual storytelling, Living River illustrates how we can create a resilient watershed if we change our relationship with water. Exploring the endangered Colorado River from source to sea, Award-winning photographer Dave Showalter provides a deeper understanding of how countless numbers of creatures and 40 million humans depend upon its water and how the futures of all are inextricably linked to the health of the river. So that that's pretty, um, you know, That that's probably something that we need to have here. Mm-hmm. We need to have this, this person here. Probably a good here. conversation. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> a good conversation for us to have. Okay so those are the two things we're collaborating on. Was there anything else at the library? I'm just excited to mention that the library
1: has a new teen center. (laughs) It is located um,
2: in the the Moab Community, oh heavens. It's the Moab Community Resource Center. That's what Mm -hmm. I meant. Alyssa tell us about that. (laughs) So it's the Moab Community Resource Center. It is where USU's campus used to be, and now there are quite a few different organizations that are in this resource center, and we get to be one of them. (laughs) So the teen center is, we've kind of been getting used to the space and settling in but that is where all of the teen computers are Mm -hmm. we've got xbox games we've got um the nintendo switch we've got ping pong tables and puzzles and crafts and a 3d printer and a 3d printing pen and virtual reality headset (laughs) thing (laughs) thing (laughs) thing. (laughs) 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 lots of other things (laughs) (laughs) and you know, this time of year, most importantly, air conditioning. Mm. (laughs) And snacks. Oh yeah, always snacks. And we will be having, school is starting right around the corner, sorry to say, for middle and high school. Summer's coming to an end. But the first week of school, that Friday, August 18th, there will be a kind of welcome party at the Teen Center. Everyone is welcome. It's going to be from 5 to 7 p.m. We will have pizza and snacks uh, families are welcome to come check it out to see where their teens could come and hang out throughout the school year and just see what we've got going on hmm. it'll be christina and me and I can show you the 3d printer <laughs> you can get on roblox you can hmm. maybe learn how to crochet well what do you want to do just, just come, come on hang over out. just coming <laughs> coming out.
1: Out. It's, it sounds like it's been a really welcoming and chill space for kids this summer yes and uh, I love the no shushing you just can just hang out and be
2: yourself with these really cool teen services librarians absolutely and we love that too and it it's no fun to shush anyone so it's yeah. <laughs> great to not have to do that and we really want it to be a welcoming and safe space, mm-hmm. kind of like that concept of the third place that you can go. You spend yeah. all of your time at home or at school, and this could be the third place, where you know, just really, whoever you want to be, you can just be that there. And we'll be there to make sure that no eyes get poked out. You're right basically,
0: on. basically. <laughs> Where did that third place? I've heard that so many times over this last weekend. This mm-hmm. idea of the third place. What's going on with that? What's the origination of that?
2: I cannot remember. Uh-huh. If I'm being really honest, yeah, I don't know if like we have jointly listened to some podcast or something <laughs> that has brought the idea back up. But I, I know that it is this is not the first time I've heard it. But it's a the first time in a while I've thought about it. Yeah, And I do think it's it's in some book or some podcast or some speech, something like that. But it's the yeah. concept that particularly in a largely capitalist society, everywhere you're going, they're trying to either get you to pay for something or mm-hmm. to buy into something or you're obligated in some way. And in order to be a full human being you need more spaces where no one is asking anything of you you mm. can just be yourself and so the idea is that just having two places where you spend most of your time is not ever it's going not to enough. be healthy for anyone yeah. you need a third place where yeah work in some form or fashion is not expected of you the responsibilities of your family your home life is not necessarily expected of you in that moment you can just hmm. breathe in this third place
0: I love it Teen Center, colon, the, the third, third place. place. Love <laughs> it. AKA. <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay, that's great. Uh, I guess my question, follow-up question with that is simply, what constitutes a teen? What are our uh, great age? Great question. Yes. <laughs> Middle and high schoolers. Okay.
2: Is the way that we're breaking it down. Okay. It's seventh through senior. Okay. Middle and high schoolers, come on by. Perfect. for any and all of those things next What are the hours? Abound. The normal um, hours. So, for the rest of the summer, which, again, is only like eight more days, sorry, <laughs> <laughs> is 12 to 8 p.m. Then, when school starts, it just uh, alters a bit to go with the school schedule. So, Monday through Thursday is 3 to 8 p.m. And then Friday, since you typically have early release on those days, it's 2 to 8. 2 to 8. Mm-hmm. <coughs> Perfect. And just to throw out there because it can be a little confusing the first time after 5 o'clock the rest of the building since it's a business building basically does close Mm. so we have a doorbell at Mm. the door that rings and then either Christina and I can let you in that's for parents or teens and that's just because we're back there from 5 to 8 and it's Mm kind of perfect because there's no shushing but that way there's a level of safety as well Love it! Mm -hmm. Thanks, Alyssa.
0: Excellent. (coughs) You're listening to KZMU Radio Book Club, coming to you every first Monday of the month at 5 p.m. So, um, do we have anything else we want to catch up on as far as the bookstore is concerned? We have those two events. We're just staying cool right now at the bookstore. Yeah,
2: swamp coolers are the swamp. The swamp (laughs) is cooling.
0: <laughs> and we're and August tends to be a little slower. We we tend to get a lot of uh, Europeans, really, because mm-hmm. this is their holiday time, holiday season. Um, but not a lot of you know a lot of people are scared of the heat, so yeah, we don't get as many folks coming in. And
2: you do now have a slowly expanding foreign language section. Yep, which I've really considered buying one of those books in, a, in yeah. another language but book that I'm familiar with to see if I could teach myself either Spanish, yeah. French, or German. Wow. That seems ambitious but I have <laughs> thought about it. <laughs> nice.
0: Maybe one Spanish, one French, one German and yeah, then just keep because rotating. because if I'm gonna commit I should just go all <laughs> go, in go and to all, three. all of the languages and teach myself. That's so <laughs> the <smart>. renaissance woman. <laughs> mm. um, well you know I was thinking before we get into some indie bestseller uh, picks I was thinking about the seasonality of, of reading and we've just, we're kind of coming to the end of what we call summer, summer reading. And we'll be going kind of into fall reading and then into winter reading. And does that show up in both of your, d- do you tend to have books that you relegate kind of to winter reading or or those that sort of show up in the summer? Does that, let's start with you, Alyssa.
2: Yes. Okay. So I feel like, summer reading for me um I tend to be a bit more adventurous in like the kind of kinds of books that I would like or not like try and maybe Mm -hmm. I'll like them and maybe I won't (laughs) but in the summer I'm just much more willing to try something that's outside of a genre that I typically know that I enjoy um and then in the winter maybe fall into winter I may not read the entirety of a series, but there are two or three series that mm. every fall and winter I come back to. And I, I'm assuming part of that is because I started and stayed in school for so much of my life. <laughs> mm. So it's dictated so it, by that. Yeah. Right. And it, it just, it changes like the rhythm of your whole life fall Mm -hmm. semester starts Mm -hmm. and then goes into winter and maybe I want to still be able to read something that's not a textbook but it probably needs to be something I don't need to be hyper focused on so the Dark Tower series Mm -hmm. by Stephen Stephen King King. I'll revisit that or Harry Potter just choose one of those books and (laughs) plop it out because I know the whole story so well that I can just kind of start in the middle somewhere depending on which one I want to read and that way it can take as long, it can be ambling, and then I can continue reading the textbooks. Mm. But I haven't had to do that in a few years. Mm. <laughs> so. Because the
0: textbooks haven't been there. Right. They haven't provided that tension to mm-hmm. sort of like jump into something exact. more full yeah. of fantasy or mm-hmm. escape. Yeah. Jesse, is there yes. any, any way for you to kind of see any seasonality in you pat-
1: yeah i think the patterns that i follow I'm, I'm a little bit um more active in the summertime i'm uh getting up and changing the sprinkler or popping popping in and out you know mm-hmm. doing chores outside there's a lot of yard and garden to take care of at my house so i think i may gravitate in the summertime to sometimes anyway to uh little bit more fluffy reading i'll read a a indulgent thriller or suspense Mm -hmm. and then in the winter when there are just long slow weekends where i'll get out and hike or take a walk or go sledding or cross country skiing or something skating if i'm lucky um there's just a little bit more Mm -hmm. quiet time um and so i will i think i may approach uh more literary fiction or Mm nonfiction a little bit more in the cooler months um I also, what I read is so much dictated by what's available at the library. I almost always defer to patrons' uh, holds mm-hmm. if they're waiting for a book. So um, sometimes my reading choices are just really random. Um, and, <laughs> <laughs> um, I, and just because just I feel like yeah I can there's so much for me to read that I don't I don't need yeah. to hang on to something if I feel like someone else is waiting for it but I think those are the patterns that mm. I tend to follow a little more contemplative and thoughtful reading in the mm-hmm. cold months and I love that a little more fizzy a little lighter reading in the summer
0: yeah it's interesting there's an artist Matthew Barney and he was married to bjork for i don 't i don 't think they 're still together to Bjork for a while, and he had this idea <laughs> of basically sort of the tension by that 's created when you give yourself um, limitation like sort of limitations or boundaries on like he would take a broom handle and put a pencil on it, tape a pencil to it, and then put some paper on the ceiling and draw from that kind of perspective this is going somewhere i i promise <laughs> but i was thinking about um i have a rule and this is when i'm traveling that i'll often not take any books maybe one or two but um you know there's a little sort of um boundary created by what i find along the way you know mm-hmm. and so that kind of reminded me of that that randomness of what's at the library <laughs> what you can and cannot read um, but I was also thinking about the things that I read like there's there's a book that I will read every Halloween and that's called the wood wife and that takes place at Samhain or um, traditionally the pagan the pagan Halloween and um, there's something about reading a book uh, ritualistically in that way or not just seasonally but through some kind of holiday season as well. Yes. Okay, so let's take a look at our indie bestseller list. And um, this, go ahead and look at that there. I've got it right up here. So Um, and of course, for the listeners, this is a list that is created by the collection of indie bookstores in the country. And every single week, we upload our stats. And we've created our own kind of, um, sort of like a New York Times bestseller list, but this is what the indie uh, bookstores are reading at any given time. There's plenty of things that stay on that list just like they do on the New York Times bestseller list for months and months and months and months, including um, Braiding Sweetgrass, um, All About Love by Bell Hooks, um, Braiding Sweetgrass by uh, Kimmer. Robin Wall Robin Kimmer, Mom. yep. But then you know things pop in and pop out, and so anything that has popped in your minds, Jesse, anything you want to mention on our lists um, this week?
1: Sure. At the very top of the list is *The Fourth Wing* by Rebecca Yaros. I have not read this fantasy genre book. Um, but it has it debuted somewhere on the top 15 or so Mm -hmm. and it has steadily climbed up and now it's number Number one one on the fiction side for hardcover Um, and I have heard from Nearly every library patron who's returning this book, they hand it to me and then they don't let go while they tell me how (laughs) fabulous the book is. And I'm, you know, happy to, I love hearing what people think about books. Good, bad, ugly, indifferent, whatever. But it's kind of hilarious that people that are returning this book are pretty (laughs) enthusiastic about it. So um, that's something that's on my list
2: um, to read. I recently read too that that's going to be part of a five series series. Uh, five book series oh great yeah i don't remember where i read that but i recently saw that so people who loved it that much should be very excited they'll have more they get
0: to wait yeah Yeah.
1: (laughs) (laughs) and then a little bit later i'll talk about a book that debuted on the list further down but peter heller um is an author i'm always excited to take a look at and i did read the last ranger recently Mm. and i will tell you more about that
0: later yeah that is to come uh, let's see. Going down to the hardcover nonfiction number one right now is David Grand's *The Wager*, and um, then the the second one, which has been really there for a while, is um, *The uh, Creative Act*. Actually, I just lost my internet. <laughs> <laughs> And that's by Rubin. It's it Ruben? Rick, yes, yeah, Rick, Rick, yeah, Rick Rubin. Yes, famous
1: famous music producer.
0: Yes, and um, and then the one that I, I don't think we talked. Did we talk about Page Boy last time?
2: We did a little bit. But yeah, because um,
0: we were as we were ready to read it, yes. and then Alyssa and I have both read it mm-hmm. since, mm-hmm. and so Alyssa, any thoughts um,
2: on Elliot Page's Page Boy? I. R- realized, particularly after reading Page Boy and You Could Make This Place Beautiful by Mm -hmm. Maggie Smith, that I love the style of memoir where it's not a linear story. Mm -hmm. I love when it is different flashbacks and it coalesces eventually at the end into like a cohesive whole but it definitely takes a lot of poetic license and both page boy and you could make this place beautiful are exactly like that and a lot of people don't like that at all apparently (laughs) (laughs) I didn't (laughs) I read a lot of reviews and that was often Mm -hmm. the criticism I guess for both of those books but particular to page boy it I felt like it really told and portrayed the story of processing transition as it is happening mm-hmm. and processing experiences with not quite as much distance as, say, what will Elliot Page think of their life in
0: 10 years, ten years yeah. in
2: 20 years, and what will that memoir be? And I think that there is definitely a place for both types of memoirs because everyone has that experience of my life is changing in this huge way and I have no idea like it means so many beautiful things that I know for sure and I'm happy about and there are so many other things that I just haven't had the chance to process yet but it doesn't change the intensity Mm. or the validity of the experience so I, I felt like I was just in the middle of these really intense and kind of scary fishbowl moments that Elliot has experienced throughout their life in the public eye. And I I thought that he did a great job.
0: Yeah. And to have your debut book, whether it be fiction, nonfiction, memoir. And I think what they're calling this type of memoirs is they're kind of calling it a lyrical memoir. Mm-hmm. They give that little lyrical piece as a way to swoop in uh, the nonlinear and the poetic Mm -hmm. and to be able to land in that kind of beautiful, um, I would say genre really so well, Mm -hmm. the first time you've ever put out a book. It's kind of extraordinary that Mm -hmm. that was in him and um, also I, I loved how you said to be in the public eye. And to write something that was sort of right, right there, Mm -hmm. right under this, literally at the skin and not wait too long. Yeah, And I I think that some of that critique was like, well, I just want a linear transition story Mm -hmm. because, you know, um, we're hungry for those stories, too. Uh, But here we get this. Yeah, just this. M- this memory it's 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 so much memory right. of of one person's experience inside their body and trying to understand how to come to terms with
2: that mm-hmm. and I think Beautiful. a lot of the other criticism that I read too was Elliot was really honest about their about his personal experience and how he felt, and it it wasn't always neat and messy or quote unquote inspirational and some of the criticism was, like yeah, you have this platform, yeah you need to like say clearly how much better everything is after transition, and I think that Elliot does say that, but life is not cookie cutter, life is not linear, yeah. life is never ever generic, and I think it, it's something to consider when we're expecting people to be a lighthouse for all of us. Mm -hmm. Mm. And I'm not sure how fair that is for anyone. And I, I found those criticisms a little interesting.
0: Yeah. There's um, an author and I was hoping to, I might just talk about this right now because it's a good segue. There's an author that Elliot quoted quite often and which was beautiful in some ways he is a maverick uh, going out ahead going through transition in the public eye Mm -hmm. very much in the public eye to the point where if you watch the third season of the Umbrella Academy his um, transition takes place in one of those episodes in the sense that um you know well it doesn't take place in one episode <laughs> but <laughs> that it's sounds portrayed. but it's portrayed Vanya to yeah, Victor exactly mm-hmm. Vanya to Victor mm-hmm. it's quite beautiful actually and uh he he mentions Maggie Smith quite a bit and uh Maggie Smith's The Argonauts and that was one that I wanted to actually talk about
2: oh Maggie Nelson or yeah, yeah oh my Maggie goodness Smith's I got ma- yeah I know <laughs>
0: Okay, we have Maggie Nelson, which is the Argonauts, and we have Maggie Smith, which is... You could make this place beautiful. You could make this place beautiful. And uh, Maggie Nelson has been around for a while and has written quite a few, I would call them lyrical essays, you know, collections of lyrical essays and is just really whip-smart, teaches as well as write books. And this is I I think it's beautiful that Elliot was sort of trying to help us understand who came before him. Mm -hmm. You know, in some ways he was doing this thing that um, was kind of like, who else is in such a public place trying to transition? But he was also really giving a nod to those that were kind of helping him along the way. And, And Maggie does show up in the book. And this this collection of Maggie's, it, I would call it a lyrical memoir as well. Mm-hmm. And she is essentially, uh, definitely talking a lot about queer identity. But in the book, the culmination of of the book is her falling in love with um, Harry. And he, while he started taking tea and transitioning, she got pregnant. And so there was this really interesting, they were having a family. She was going through this body change of actually, you know, being pregnant, while she was giving him testosterone shots as he was transitioning um, into being a trans man. And so this culmination of Identity and body Mm -hmm. going on at that same time and her ability to kind of scroll through all of that and give us this extraordinary story of love and family. Um, It's really beautiful. So if you read either one of them, they're a nice little companion. Uh, Page Boy by Elliot Page and The Argonauts by Maggie Nelson. Nice. Okay. So, any other, let's see, any other indie bestsellers that anyone would like to mention? Are we.
2: I did just read The Guest. Yes. Yeah. By um, Emma Klein. Okay. And this book on my book recommendations. Yes. Summer was recommended to me by Kali at the bookstore. And. I can't stop thinking about it. <laughs> <laughs> the author, Emma Klein. Um, so, so the book is about this girl, Alex, who is on vacation, staying in, uh, in the Hamptons with an older gentleman that has asked her to be his guest for the summer. And she takes a miss, she makes a misstep and this gentleman kicks her out of the house. Um, and she decides that she's just going to stay in the Hamptons <laughs> and she does this by like grifting and manipulating and tricking all of these people. And it's incredible a how long she's able to make this work and be like her mentality through this whole process and the level of tension that this author is able to cultivate and then maintain always at this like just below fever pitch. So you're mm. not getting like this explosive payoff of like, oh, this is what it was building. <laughs> like that never happens. So it just stays like oh what is this girl doing? Why is she making this choice? And it like you kind of cringe through. Mm. But it's never horrendous. It's never totally jaw-dropping it's it's just like ugh, Alex <laughs> don't do that oh no oh <laughs> and it, I can't stop thinking about it and I have not been unanxious since I finished it
0: <laughs> so when you think when you say you can't stop thinking about it is that more like an emotion is I that the, the is, feeling of the anxiety It's the
2: anxiety I feel yeah. like I've been revved up without any sort of like big thing to kind of release it <laughs> and I like that I'm just like uh, just anxious and I haven't been able to read other books on my list because the characters are also already intense or making <laughs> weird choices and the anxiety level is too much and I think maybe I have to jump into Harry Potter real quick because mm-hmm. I already know what happens there. You've got like a plateau. That. I do. I've got a... <laughs> <laughs> so why should we read The Guest? I think uh, a few reasons. Okay. One, I think that any author that that is capable of maintaining that level of anxiety and anxious intensity is one to read like that is that's an incredible skill I think and I could I just couldn't believe that she was able to maintain it for like almost 300 pages and also because I found myself trying the whole time to figure out what made this character this way and that's such a human response I think like trying to rationalize someone else's life choices or behavior or the way that they treat people and she never tells it like she doesn't go into this sordid backstory she doesn't talk about this one time this horrible thing that happened to her you just get this impression that maybe something happened but maybe it didn't maybe Alex is just a 22 year old who has absolutely no problem taking advantage of anyone and everyone that comes in (laughs) her path and I don't get to know why people are the way that they are and most of the time most of the time and that was honestly hard to read and also a good reminder
0: Hmm. it's beautiful actually Mm -hmm. Jesse, I think we, sh- we can start a little bit of our book review roundtable, unless you had another bestseller you wanted to talk about.
1: I would love to talk about the new Peter Heller book. Yes, let's the Last go there. Ranger. Yes. Yeah. Thank you for listening to Radio Book Club on KZMU, everyone. You can listen at 106.7 FM, 90.1, and online at well as well at kzmu.org. So, I have been a Peter Heller fan since um, I read his first novel, The Dog Stars, um, which is still my very favorite of his. I think this one, The Last Ranger, is his fifth novel, Three he did. Um, After The Dog Stars, he did a really good one about an artist called The Painter, a little bit of a mystery, Um, and after that was uh, *Celine*, that had to do with a... um, Uh, a a very fearsome female character older older woman who is a formidable character and then there was the river and the guide and neither of those two books really rocked my world they were okay but the Mm -hmm. last ranger is coming back around to the peter heller i really love um he is an avid outdoorsman he writes for all the outdoorsy magazines Um, he's a super into fly fishing in real life and canoeing and camping and nature Um, anyway and he writes about the natural world so beautifully and it's one of my favorite things about him so in the last ranger our character is named ren hopper and he's a law enforcement officer in the national park of yellowstone um and he has a very very busy job he's arresting drunk drivers he's saving foolish tourists from letting their toddler get too close to a mother elk with a baby or (laughs) or whatever he's just got always got always got stuff going on plus um someone is poaching wild animals on park land uh, particularly wolves which um usually these these wild animals have um uh, nearby ranchers have a rather fraught relationship with wild wild wolves, and that is also the case here. He suspects that he knows who's been setting traps and shooting at these um, these beautiful creatures. Um, and uh, then Hilly, the um, the wolf biologist there at Yellowstone, is caught in a trap, and it almost kills her. And um, He's a, he finds her and rescues her and then they the things really start to escalate and they've got to figure out what's going on so it's a pretty good story a pretty the the, the protagonist um, uh, ren mr. Hopper is um again a, a kind of a guy I could kind of get a literary crush on as with the <laughs> fellow in the dog stars oh my goodness did I ever have a crush on that guy super capable strong outdoorsy can do anything fly airplanes fix this loves his dog but he's also loves literature poetry particularly haiku poetry (laughs) um is super not intimidated by strong women deeply loves an independent woman they always seem to have a wife in their past that is gone now but that they deeply love anyway (laughs) blah 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 (laughs) so the last ranger did not disappoint um it is uh life and death and nature live and humans and nature living in close proximity the balance between helping to preserve this natural space so that everybody can come enjoy this national park and animals Mm. and nature but yet protecting them from each other in many different ways i Mm. think he developed that quite well expressed that uh, balance and uh, uh, the story's pretty well. And I have to say, at the end of the story, the the last ranger, um, the resolution was actually quite satisfactory. I was getting worried toward the end, like how is he going to resolve this in a way that's not going to just be really disappointing in some way? No, uh, he did a pretty good job. <laughs> I, I'm not everyone may agree with me, but I thought that that tied up um emotionally mature protagonists they've got some depth into poetry and literature one more could what you more ask could you for my friend <laughs> Out strong ca- capable <laughs> outdoorsy pretty great um anyway i think he does one of my favorite things about this book was his description of the environment of nature i am sitting on the porch in a cabin on a mountainside, I can smell the aspen trees. I can hear the music of their leaves rustling in the wind. I can smell the sun warming the grass and the bark. I just, he describes everything so well. I don't even realize I'm reading. I'm just absorbing. All five senses are hmm. engaged when I was reading this book. I noticed that in several, hmm. several places that I just. I, could re- I really felt that I was there. I've never visited Yellowstone, um, but I have been in environments similar, and I could really feel it, and I really appreciate that about a good outdoor rider. So mm. highly recommend it. Last Ranger by Peter Heller. Um, probably my second favorite
0: now after Peter Heller's The Dog Stars. The Dog Stars. Stars.
1: Thank you for
0: listening. <laughs> <laughs> Yellowstone's in my history. That was somewhere that, It's funny, we just had this epic reunion, family reunion up on our family farm. 120 people came. This is just from my grandma and grandpa's (laughs) legacy. Very very Mormon heritage. And Yellowstone was brought up the entire time because that's where my grandfather took his kids. And so we had all of these wonderful um, pictures in the, like, the fifties, sixties of them headed up to Yellowstone in these really great vehicles. And, and this kind of mythology that's come from, from going to Yellowstone that many times and the the family mythology, really, there was this one story of of a bear that kept coming around and they decided to do what they called a wonder bread and pepper snack. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and they rolled it over to the bear and that's the last they saw of <laughs> the bear. But Why these not? are like the stories that keep kind of folding <laughs> through our family. It's interesting. I was as you were talking about the five senses being um, you know, sort of like engaged. I it's not often that I get into the natural history section and, and decide Okay, what what do what do I feel like I need? Where do I feel like I need to go in a way? What landscape do I feel like I need to sit in and read about? And so I decided to go to the bottom of the ocean. Good job. <laughs> and with Susan Casey's The Underworld: J- Journeys to the Depths of the Ocean. She's a science journalist and the first half of this book is about the history of how we've tried to get there to the bottom of the ocean and all the maps and the explorers and what they thought was down there and how we, you know, at first just tried to kind of troll down there with these long ropes, you know, with and trying to kind of bring things up to the second half of the book where she got the opportunity to go down in, in a very safe submersible. And it and her experience not only telling us about some of the wild bioluminescent creatures that are down there, but also the this experience of a color that's down there at the bottom you think you know how how can there be a color and she calls it this blue that you can't describe very well but it's all-encompassing this and, and it's it's black but it's blue and she she calls it this kind of interesting blue color that that sort of it's just It's it fills your senses and so i think I don't know, you know, there's just this, this sense of wanting to uh, go down, go down there with somebody. And she does such a good job. I think one of the most extraordinary creatures that she saw down there is called the barrel eye. And it literally has these tubular eyes that are sealed inside a transparent head and it's just incredible i mean you you're able to see these pictures and kind of the evolutionary like the the outside eyes have sort of you could say kind of dried up and here are these inside eyes and you know that's one among many things of course all the jellies the jellyfish down there and the um like the worms and the and then these heat vents that they ha- they were seeing and so if you have a, a, a feeling of wanting to go down there with someone, she's the perfect tour like tour guide. <laughs> because perfect. her her pros are very clear, but she's also not afraid to express this kind of awe um when you finally are able to get down to thirty two thousand feet in the Mariana trench. <laughs> wow. And so I was able to read this at night, and it really did feel like um, at that point she started to go, you know, sink in a submersible. It felt like I was just headed down there with her, and so I I would highly recommend. Now that you've read that, do you want to
2: go scuba diving?
0: That's really interesting. I have kind of a panic that happens when I'm even just going deep in water at all. Uh And so I feel like there's another person in another life that is me okay that is doing that already (laughs) or has done it already for sure in the multiverse there are so many different yes in the multiverse there are other worlds than me (laughs)
2: absolutely
0: because I also admire free diving and those that can go down for minutes 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 at a time Mm -hmm. and without You know any scuba diving equipment and just go down there with their own breath and they're able to get to that like Zen kind of you know um, breath work where they can actually be down there for a while and so yeah that's uh, that's my other life. Absolutely. (laughs) Would either one of you want to get into a submersible and go down? Is that?
2: I grew up in Florida. Right. And I refuse. Yes. Okay. Absolutely not. <laughs> there is, I don't want to learn how to scuba dive. Yes. I have a hard time with the idea of, with a snorkel and not going underwater. Just that. Like float on top and yeah. fine, I can do that. But the, <laughs> the people that have figured out, which apparently it's fine and easy, I don't believe it where you can take the snorkel down to and just blow air out. So you're not swallowing the ocean. I don't think that's true. I think (laughs) you die immediately, but I also grew up in Orlando, Florida going to the magic kingdom. And one of the old rides that I don't think is there anymore is 20,000 leagues under the sea. And even that as a child, imagine being on an enclosed ride with a four-year-old screaming <laughs> <laughs> that would not stop. <laughs> okay, there that we was go. Me I ruined your trip to Disney, <laughs> and I, I know.
0: Any thoughts on the the bottom of the ocean, Jesse?
1: i'm not a- particularly attracted to the bottom of the ocean but i think uh, if given the opportunity it's a fear that i could conquer i have been snorkeling and i have gone underwater snorkeling but it was in the crystal clear waters off of maui I much different are. not mm-hmm. that deep get a little bit spooky out there when it gets it does deep.
0: Yeah. it really does yeah sure it does. do
1: recommend <laughs> swimming where you can hear whales singing underwater
2: though oh, that's something that's yeah. something pretty special oh, what about it. those whales toppling boats though
1: cool anyway <laughs> okay back to the book. so
2: anyway we <laughs> are
0: radio book club uh we are on the dial at 90.1 and 106.7 mm-hmm. fm we're we have a little bit of time left here so we're going to kind of do our lightning rounds and it looks
2: like it is
0: alyssa's turn
2: okay I actually listened to this past month a YA book called Bitter and um, it is by Akwaeke Emezi I've been wondering about that book because it's, I love them yes so the book um, I believe it's actually supposed to be a prequel or Like within the same universe as their other book, Pet. Mm -hmm. But I have not read Pet, and I honestly don't know anything about it except that little bit of information. (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) But Bitter um, is about this girl who was in foster care, and she gets accepted into this art school, and this art school in this fictional town, which seems very loosely based off of New Orleans in Louisiana um, the, the school accepts only foster and adoptive children and it's a boarding school and it's an art school um, and the main character Bitter finds out that the art that she creates is capable of like creating these creatures so like, what she draws comes like turns 3d and comes to life and the town that they're in i think it's lucille is um Going through quite a lot, um, there is, it's a little on the nose. There's a billionaire that's in charge of the town, and so the wealth disparity is huge. There's a lot of issues with over-policing and racism. And so a lot of Bitter's friends are protesting and part of these different groups that are peacefully protesting all of this. Um, And it's through, but she's afraid to do this. She wants to be safe inside the walls of the boarding school. But one of her friends is at a protest and she gets injured. And in this like fit of emotion and agony and rage, she draws something because she doesn't know how else to contribute. And she what she ends up doing is calling an avenging angel Wow with this drawing. And so it's the story of then what happens. And um, a lot of like the themes that they're touching on are like how can you stand up for what you believe in in a way that is, not harmful to you and not harmful to other people, and there are people that are always going to be most comfortable up front and center on the front lines of any cause, depending, you know, whatever it is. But there are other people that maybe believe in the cause, and that's ne- they're never going to be comfortable there. So, what can you do to contribute? So, it just touches on all of these things, and it's done in this really cool way with a vengeance angel taking over the <laughs> the city. Um, it's really good. Bitter. What a great setup. A quakey and
0: messy. And if you like that one, of course, they do adult books as well. One of my favorite, The Death of Vivek Oji. Mm-hmm. So good. Okay, Jesse, little lightning right. round for you.
1: How it? about a little gothic horror for your oh, summer yes. reading? I happen to like Sylvia Moreno-Garcia. She is a Canadian-Mexican author who has, I believe this is like her... Gosh, anyway, she's written quite a few books. I've only read a few, but I think I can safely recommend Silver Nitrate. It refers to a really old uh, uh, a really old format for, for making movies, a really beautiful black and white format, very unstable, as we later find out. Anyway, this young woman's a sound editor. She and her friend an actor meet this old horror movie director who talks about this doomed film project from the 50s. Uh, that everyone involved had horrible luck after trying to make this movie. There's a Nazi occultist who was weaving a spell into the film that was completed. Um, everyone knows silver is uh, highly important in magical um, uh, in in magical rites, and the silver nitrate in the film itself made film the perfect medium to create this spell. But the movie never was completed, so the spell they're going to so they're going to try and dub the sound over this tiny little scene that he has left of this movie to complete this magical circuit that was never completed um needless to say probably not a good idea Um, (laughs) (laughs) Some, some, some weird stuff is beginning to ensue i love the female main character our protagonist is no nonsense she is no damsel in distress in fact she is taking care of her Uh, friend the male actor all the time (laughs) and um anyway she is she's no nonsense and um super smart and very capable uh and i the the took a while to build up the the kind of the creepy tension and the 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 horror but we're starting to get there i'm glad i t- stuck it out silvery sylvia moreno garcia our uh, best-selling author of mexican gothic i think mm-hmm. was our previous mm-hmm. one of our previous books really like that one too also i can re- recommend the gods of jade and shadow mayan gods come to life and uh, take a young woman to help them in the underworld oh love it, it. Ooh.
0: Okay. We have about five more minutes. We were authorized to go a little bit over. So let's all think of one more. I do want to mention just came out A Wild Promise. It is by Alan Crawford. And there's an introductory essay by Terry Tempest. And it's a book, this wonderful, illustrated, beautifully illustrated, almost like coffee table book, um, that's come out on the 50th anniversary of the Endangered Species Act. And I just want to say, I just want to read the first um, paragraph of Terry's introductory essay. I am thinking about extinction and what that means for a creature, a living being, to vanish from existence. Say their names, great ock, passenger pigeon, Carolina parakeet, Stellar's sea cow, Caribbean monk seal, Great Plains Wolf, Puerto Rican Long-Nosed Bat, Maryland Darter, Utah Lake Sculpin, Labrador Duck, Heath Hen, Bachman's Warbler, Circe's Blue Butterfly, Wyoming Toad, and Panamanian Golden Frog, all extinct beginning in the 1800s to present. And that's the, there's a beautiful, beautiful essay. She continues for three or four pages. And then you get, there. they kind of like a little taxonomy list of of each one and these just wonderful pictures of them as well. So that is A Wild Promise by Alan Crawford.
2: Alyssa? Wow. Okay. Um, I read surprisingly for the first time uh, the book The Magicians by Lev Grossman. And this is the first in a trilogy. This was recommended to me. Another one of those ones like I don't know. Ten years ago, at this point, when it came out, or a few years after it came out, and it has always been kind of sold to me as a Harry Potter or Chronicle of Narnia Chronicles of Narnia for adults. And I, I get it. I, I get that uh, moniker for this series, um, but I also think that the the author lev grossman it it feels like they kind of rel- he relies on that a, like a lot but like he's trying to um kind of go against the tropes of these fantasy quests and these novels and these series but he's like he's like telling you he's doing it it's not just that these kids go off to a college for magic and learn and they are they're put into different houses, which is also very similar to Harry Potter, but he also points out but but you know the there isn't like some big culmination, it's just kids in college, and yeah, they're learning magic, and it, they should really enjoy it, and it should be pretty cool, but they're still just entitled twenty somethings who are drinking and doing a lot of drugs and experimenting and hmm. and it, it it was enjoyable, and it, it felt a little forced, and I haven't decided if I'm going to read the second one hmm. yet or not. I love hearing an honest book review. Me oh, too. Yeah. I'm. I we need those. I feel yep. like I couldn't hold back even if I tried. Yep. <laughs> nice. <laughs> We need those. Okay, Jessie, quick one.
1: Sure. I read uh, Yellow Face by R.F. Quang. Oh, yay. She, this is her fifth novel and her first foray out of the fantasy genre. It deals with cancel culture, cultural appropriation, and a harrowing critique of the publishing interest, industry. This book was a page turner. <laughs> this young woman's, um she's had a failed novel. She's a really good writer, but has had bad luck and her novel didn't do good. She's white. Her best best friend is a Chinese wildly successful literary author. Uh, freak accident. Her best friend dies. Mm. In the frenzy, uh, the the chaos ensuing, she steals her friend's manuscript that nobody knows that is there. And she uh, works on this manuscript and turns it into her own book and experiences a lot of success herself. However, that's just the setup. Mm. And um, we put an extremely uh sharp lens on um how much is it okay for someone to write about another culture uh, no matter how much research you do is that okay is that um did her anyway uh there's a lot there a lot to unpack and uh rf quang is a very capable writer um definitely the the pacing was was good it uh, it didn't it didn't drag um And uh, no real answers, no real answers at the end, but definitely a good conversation to have in your head as you're reading along. And I sure felt, sure felt all the emotions Mm. reading this book. It was well done.
0: I've been wondering about that one. Yellow
1: Face by R.F. Quang.
0: Excellent. Well, we've kind of come to a a close here of our radio book club. I do want to just say, if you're looking for an audio book, That is kind of timely. I would uh, recommend Rememberings by Sinead O'Connor. As we know, she passed just this last month and she reads it and just this beautiful Irish kind of Dublin accent. And a lot of it is about the making of her first album while she's pregnant. And so it's, if you want to just kind of settle in a little bit and listen to the story of her life uh, as a kind of remembrance. Um, it's called rememberings by Sinead O'Connor. Nice. All right, we've done it. my friends, we have done it. Uh, Jessie, where can we find this wonderful list at the on the library's website?
1: Uh, moablibrary.org if you go to Library services and then look for the tab find a good book. Uh, Radio Book Club lists of anything we've discussed since the beginning of this show should be available there.
0: Okay, cool. And on KZMU, it will be on a two-week archive, immediately available, and you just go to KZMU.org, Program Tab, and then Program Schedule. It's on the Forever Archive, available on Friday afternoons on KZMU.org, KZMU.org news public affairs tab radio book club and it's also a podcast available on friday afternoons just search apple podcasts or spotify for public affairs on KZMU. Go KZMU and subscribe we love you all we'll be reading frantically so that we'll be ready for next month first monday of the month in september and so go read and uh Thanks for listening. Take care. Good night, all. You can hear
1: Radio Book Club live on the KZMU airwaves every first Monday of the month at 5 p.m. Find archives and book mentions at kzmu.org.